Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to New Heights Educational Group Radio Show. My name is Kim Behan, your host and a volunteer for New Heights Educational Group. This week's show is going to be on immunizations, should we get vaccinated. I know that I said last week that this show is going to be a continuation of the sex education show that we had last week, but due to to my own fault um, and switch up, we're going to do immunizations this week and then continue with the sex education in public schools next week. As always, before we begin, we have some announcements. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group educational resources to help reach your goals. Dear homeschool and charter school families, the New Heights Educational Group Resource and Literacy Center is offering its bi-weekly enrichment day classes, which started October 11th from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. These classes will be held in defiance at the Zion Museum Church. Please note that the classes are not religion-based unless families want there to be one. We held a planning meeting on Friday, October 4th, Parents and students are required to participate in these classes and help with the planning of them. Enrichment Day slash co-op classes are underway. So far, we are offering a color and aid class, a Dr. C's class, <clears throat> a science class, and are open to more suggestions. Excuse me, it's a little sick. Students are invited to not only attend, but to participate in instructing some of the classes. If you're interested in participating, volunteering, or tutoring, please contact us ASAP at New Heights Education at Yahoo.com. Visit our website at www.newheightseducation.org or call our number at 419-786-0247. Women's Business for 2013. We won the Organization of the Year for Government and Nonprofit Silver Award, and Pamela Clark, founder and director, won Female Executive of the Year for Government and Nonprofit Organization Bronze Award. There were more than 1,200 applicants from 18 nations were nominated, and we are truly honored to have chosen this year to have been chosen this year, and extra honored to receive recognition from women in business for two years in a row. Additionally, new student advisory group officers were voted in by student members during November 11th meeting. President is still needed. Vice President still needed. All youth will be working together until these two officers are voted in. Sadia Ijaz is the secretary. Desiree McMillan is treasurer and news reporter. Estella May Burns is the historian. Catherine Spangler is recreation leader, refreshment coordinator. And Kyler Spangler is recreation leader, recreation activity leader. 
So those are the announcements for this week, and now we're just going to dive right into our topic for today, which is immunizations should we get vaccinated. So I'm just going to give a little bit of background information on vaccinations, a little bit of history to provide a context for which we're discussing discussing vaccinations today. Um, Also, just another background that's a little less historical but more pertinent to why this is a debate today is that uh, some vaccines have been accused of being contributors to things that to conditions such as autism and other developmental disorders. So there's a lot of debate and controversy surrounding vaccines, whether or not they're truly healthy for us or whether or not they can cause damaging conditions like autism or lead to or contribute to things like that. And so that's what we're going to be discussing today. When people were vaccinated in 1925 with diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis, more cases were found of autism, and a link between vaccines and encephalitis was recognized, but it was ignored at the time. In 1984, Time magazine ran an article about the results of a mental health survey in America and found that rates of sociopathic personality and other mental illness were much higher than those born after the 40s when mass vaccination was instituted than before the 40s. Before 1979, Japan also vaccinated their children beginning at the age of three to five months. In the years following, they noticed an alarming rise in the morbidity and mortality of these children. As a result, they changed the age to begin vaccinations to 24 months and no longer made them mandatory. 85 to 90% reduction in severe reactions and deaths to these children follows. It has also been noted that an average Japanese high school student outperforms American students for the top 5% of their class of their class, too. But vaccines also help keep us safe from infectious diseases like smallpox and polio epidemics. So are vaccines good for us? Information that we got from this is vaccinesprogram.org. So the pros for vaccination. Vaccination should be required for children. No individual should have a right to risk the health of the public solely for the purpose of satisfying their personal, moral, philosophical, or religious views. And this is the pro-vaccination side. Vaccines can eradicate disease and prevent serious illness and death. Mandatory vaccination has eradicated diseases that once killed thousands of children, such as polio and smallpox. According to researchers at the Pediatric Academic Society, childhood... I apologize, I'm having some... My computer... Childhood vaccinations in the U.S. prevent more than 10.5 million cases of infectious diseases and 33,000 deaths. According to the American Academic, I apologize. According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, most childhood vaccines are 90 to 99 percent effective in preventing disease. When children who have been vaccinated do a contract, do contract a disease despite being vaccinated against it, they usually have milder symptoms with less serious complications than an unvaccinated child that gets the same disease. Since some individuals that have been vaccinated may still get sick when exposed to infected individuals, 75 to 94% of the population, depending on the disease, must be vaccinated in order to achieve herd immunity. Herd immunity when herd immunity is achieved, the numbers of immunity immunized individuals are high enough to prevent the spread of disease through the population. 
So basically, herding mutation is when, like as I said here, you have enough people that are immune to the disease that there's less of a risk that someone is going to get it and then expose a non-immune individual to the disease. <clears throat> the risks of not being vaccinated far outweigh the small risks associated with vaccination. Preventable diseases like measles and mumps can cause permanent disability and death. In 1991, an outbreak of measles in an unvaccinated group of children in, Phil- in Philadelphia caused seven deaths. Children infected with the mumps can become permanently deaf, although a very small number of deaths from the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine have been reported. The most common adverse reactions are minor soreness and fever. Even when diseases seem to no longer exist, outbreaks can still occur if children are not vaccinated. In Boulder, Colorado, fear over possible side effects of whooping cough, which is pertussis, vaccine led to many parents to refuse vaccination for their children, causing Boulder to have the lowest school-wide vaccination rate in Colorado for whooping cough and one of the highest rates of whooping cough in the U.S. of 2002. Because children and infants are more vulnerable to the swine flu, the H1N1 virus, they should be required to take an FDA-approved vaccine to prevent illness and possible death. The claim that vaccines cause autism is false, according to the pro-study, pro-argument. Many studies, including (coughs) one by researchers at the Centers for Disease Control and John Hopkins University School of Public Health, reject the hypothesis that Thimerosal, a mercury-based preservative in vaccines, causes autism. On March 12, 2010, in the case of Mead versus Secretary of Health and Human Services, the U.S. Court of Federal Claims ruled that theory of vaccine-related causation of autism is scientifically unsupportable. Children should be required to receive vaccination against hepatitis B. The disease can cause inflammation of the liver, leading to cirrhosis or scarring of the liver. Or cancer. The World Health Organization recommends that hepatitis B vaccine be a part of the universal childhood vaccination programs. Reports that hepatitis B vaccine may cause sclerosis, multiple sclerosis, has been refuted by many published studies. <coughs> I do apologize if I sound very quiet and losing my voice. Unfortunately, again, it seems that I've been perpetually sick, but hopefully soon to get over that. Girls between the ages of 11 and 12 should be required to get the HPV, human papillomavirus, vaccine because it protects against four strains of HPV, two of which cause cervical cancer. In the U.S., cervical cancer is the second leading cancer killer of women, with 10,000 women diagnosed every year and 3,700 dying from the disease as in 2009. The HPV vaccine can stop these deaths and should be given to all girls before they become sexually active and have potential to contract HPV. Vaccines should be required because it produces significant significant economic benefits for society. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, every $1 spent on vaccination saves the public $6.30 in medical costs that would result from having to treat unvaccinated diseased individuals. Children should be vaccinated against rotavirus. The, central, the Centers for Disease Control and World Health Organization both recommend the vaccine, according to WHO, Nearly every child is infected by rotavirus by the time he is five years old, and the virus is the leading cause of severe dehydration, vomiting, and diarrhea in children younger than five worldwide. The CDC estimates that the rotavirus caused approximately 453,000 infant deaths globally, mainly in developing countries. Excuse me. And 20 to 60 deaths 
until another five years old per year in the United States before the vaccine was introduced. Without the vaccination, rotavirus has into 70,000 children in the United States per year. With the vaccine, the number of hospitalizations has been reduced by 80%. The CDC also estimates that the rotavirus vaccine prevents more than 400,000 doctor visits per year. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest-growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully-accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Now for the cons upon our argument against vaccines. Government should not have the right to intervene in the health decisions parents make for their children. 31% of parents believe that they should have the right to refuse mandated school entry vaccinations for their children, according to a 2010 survey by the University of Michigan. Vaccines are also are often unnecessary in many cases where the threat of death from disease is small. During the early 19th century, the mortality for childhood diseases, whooping cough, measles, and scarlet fever fell drastically before immunization came available. This decreased mortality has been this decreased mortality has been attributed to improved personal hygiene, water purification, effective sewage disposal, and better food hygiene and nutrition. <clears throat> Vaccines can also trigger autoimmune disorders such as arthritis, multiple sclerosis, lupus, Guillain-Barre syndrome, and other disorders. Vaccines clog and disrupt the lymphatic system with large foreign protein molecules, the active ingredients contained in vaccines, which may lead to lymphatic cancers such as leukemia and lymphoma. Children should not be required to receive the DPT, diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus vaccine. Some studies have shown that children who receive this vaccine exhibit shallow breathing, which has been associated with sleep apnea, and which may be a causal factor in sudden infant death syndrome. Studies of infants whose deaths were recorded as sudden infant death syndrome show a temporal relationship with the DPT vaccination, and these ten- infants tended to die at similar time intervals in relation to when they were vaccinated. <clears throat> Additionally, young girls should not receive mandatory vaccination for HPV. The vaccine was approved in 2006, and the long-term effects are unknown, since approval adverse side effects such as severe allergic reactions, Guillain-Barre syndrome, spinal cord inflammation, inflammation, and pancreatitis have been reported by the U.S. Vaccine Adverse events reporting system. Although these adverse reactions may be rare, they are not worth the risk since the vaccine only protects protects against two of the 15 strains of HPV that may cause cancer in the cervix 20 to 40 years after the individual is infected. So that was the concept of vaccines. So how might we protect ourselves without vaccination? Some parents might wonder how we can not vaccinate our children but also protect them. This is if you choose to not vaccinate your children. A combination of herbs put together with the purpose of supporting the immune system are also helpful when a child has either been exposed to or has a childhood disease. Some of these combinations excuse me, some of these combinations include IM M C Some of these combinations include IMM C T 
THIM J defense maintenance or VSDC for children who cannot take capsules. The children's liquid vitamins plus iron and chewable elderberry plus may be helpful. The single herbs alfalfa, excuse me, and probably very bad to pronounce it. Paracinium, red clover, rose hips, spring ginseng, una de gato, cat's claw, and yarrow are beneficial. Some of these are beneficial because of the nutrients they provide the body. Besides supplementing your child's diet, there are other factors that research indicates are important. In order to achieve a healthy immune response, these include breastfeeding, which supplies antibodies and essential nutrients that make up the baby's first immune system response. No formula can do this. And you also want to avoid sugar or foods containing refined sugar. Studies have shown that these depressed immune response structural alignment is also important. I found that... <clears throat> Chiropractic adjustments can be very beneficial when preceded by two to four Epsom salt baths spaced one week apart. So this is some information that Pamela has sent me as to how to protect ourselves without vaccination. <clears throat> Personally, um, my family, we've always gotten vaccinated, but I do know that I did have a friend in high school who whose autoimmune disease was believed to be um, exacerbated by the H1N1 uh, vaccine that he received in high school. And so I do know that there are many people who will, will take both sides, and it's not difficult to see why people would take both sides. Personally, I believe in vaccinations and the good that they do to protect against communicable diseases, but I do know that for those who don't want to take the risk of perhaps increasing their child's chances of autism or autoimmune diseases, even though there's not necessarily scientific proof yet that they are linked to this. It's still, you know, as a parent, I wouldn't necessarily, it would be a very big and contemplated decision that I'd have to make uh, to expose my child to vaccination if the risks are as large as getting autism. <clears throat> and once again, I do apologize for the pauses that I'm taking. It's a little difficult for me to speak um, because I am still a little bit sick. But it seems that we ran short a tiny bit on our information, so I just want to perhaps read an article that I found on immunizations while we still have some time left. <clears throat> I'm going to bring up that article so we can read that. So this is going to again talk about the benefits versus risks for immunization. <clears throat> and this is from Immunize for Good. So this is more of a pro-immunization website for those who do want to immunize their children. And for those who don't, obviously, like I said, there are suggestions for ways that you can protect your children without um, getting them vaccines. <clears throat> and definitely would, for, <coughs> excuse me, would recommend you contacting your doctor before trying um, anything, whether it's vaccine or herbal, herbal supplements, because you do want to make sure that your child is not allergic to anything that you could perhaps give them um, that would be herbal. And so you do want to consult your doctor. Obviously, we are not doctors, so we these suggestions are not legal suggestions, but there are just some information that if you're more interested in researching this for your children, you can do so. 
So factor fiction, benefits versus risk. <laughs> I'm going to sound very sorry. <clears throat> Fact, the benefits of preventing disease with the vaccine far outweigh the risk. It is important to remember that all medical procedures have a risk of side effects. Vaccines are no different, but the risk of serious side effects is very small compared to the benefits vaccination provides. The disease you are protecting your child against are far more dangerous than the nearly, than nearly any possible vaccine side effect. It is always better to prevent the disease with a vaccine than let your child get sick and risk complications. For example, some parents think a chickenpox is harmless. I have a harmless, itchy rite of passage that every child must go through. Some parents refuse the vaccine for this reason, reason, or they do so because they fear the risk of side effects that outweigh the risk associated with the disease. The truth is chickenpox is often much worse than parents think. One in ten unvaccinated children who get the disease will have a complication serious enough to result in a visit to the healthcare provider. Most children who get chickenpox will have 200 to 500 sores covering their body. Before the vaccine was invented, 10,600 persons were hospitalized and 100 to 150 died as a result of chickenpox in the U.S. In comparison, one in five children will experience soreness or swelling where the shot was given, and one in 10 will have a mild fever, and one in five will have a mild rash. <clears throat> in case of serious vaccine side effects, there is a governmental system available to care for that of the child. While serious side effects are rare, parents are encouraged to report any severe effects to the vaccine adverse event reporting system which serves to report, analyze, and make incidences of adverse side effects available to the public. It is important to note that the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VAERS, collects data on any adverse event following vaccination, no matter if it's coincidental or accidentally caused by the vaccine. The report of an adverse event to the VAERS is not documentation that the vaccine caused the event. <clears throat> Thanks to vaccines, we have seen a dramatic decrease of new cases of infectious disease and their devastating effects. If we stop vaccination, we will see these diseases return. And below is an amazing example of the strides that we've already taken with vaccines. So this is just a little chart. It's comparing um, baseline 20th century annual cases in the U.S. of different diseases and to the 2006 cases. So for measles, for the baseline 20th century annual cases, that was 503,000, and in 2006, only 55. So that was a percent decrease by about 99.9%. Similarly, with diphtheria, there was about 200,000 cases in the 20th century baseline, and only and zero in 2006, which is a 100% decrease. Bumps, <clears throat> rubella, HIV, and polio have all decreased by about 99 to 100%. Tetanus has decreased by 96%. And pertussis whooping cough has decreased by 89.4%. <clears throat> it may be hard to compare the worldwide benefits of immunization to your, child's, to your own child's health, but following the recommended vaccine schedule can prevent your child from 15 diseases by the age of two. The risk and complications of these diseases can cause serious long-term disabilities, hospitalization, and worst, worst cases, death. And vaccines literally save lives every day. So this is <clears throat> a pro-vaccine. It's called Immunized for Good with different facts and parents' um, discussion boards and things like that. So I do recommend that if you are doubtful of immunizations or if you're just curious, 
you want to get both sides on the argument, you can go to immunizeforgood.com and you can look at the different arguments that they present forward. And then when you go and research about the immunizations, you can compare and then decide for you and your children what you want to do uh, for your family and what you feel is good for your family. So I hope that that was informational, um, at least to provide a baseline for parents and maybe children themselves to see the different negatives and benefits of getting vaccinated. And like I said, we're not really here to convince anyone to do a particular thing. We just want to provide all the information or at least a starting point of information so that parents can become more informed about the different options that they have in regards to raising their children. And it's ultimately up to the parents to decide at the end of the day what they feel is right. And finally, once again, I do want to just apologize if this radio show is a little bit difficult to follow with my voice kind of trailing in and out. But I do appreciate the support, and I do appreciate everyone in the audience who's listening and who has listened in the past. Again, next week we're going to discuss, we're going to continue our discussion of sex education in public schools, where we left off last time. And hopefully, hopefully by then I won't be sick anymore. But we can only hope. Thank you again so much for listening, and we hope to see you next show. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.